0: Well, hello and welcome to the One Thing Podcast brought to you by the Horton Group. We're at the Horton Group, we specialize in insurance, employee benefits, and risk advisory. And I'm your host, Jason Helford. Bonnie and Clyde, Jack, Jill, Sonny, and Cher. These are famous duos throughout history that we all know about. But I'm going to argue we should add one more famous duo to that list. And as it so happens, that famous duo is actually our next guest. The next guests are not only colleagues of mine, but good friends who have known throughout the years. And folks, unlike our other podcast, this one's going to take somewhat of a more predictable turn. For today's podcast, the topic's are going to be insurance and employee benefits. Now, I know I, know, I promised everybody we would never do a podcast on insurance or employee benefits. However... We keep getting feedback from, you, from all of you that you would want to hear a podcast on what happened in the insurance and benefits market in 22 and what's going to happen in 23. So we had a choice to make, either lean in and listen to you or ignore you completely. Well, that's not our MO, so we're leaning in, we're listening, and I'm excited to have on the podcast two leaders of our business that are going to help with the conversation today, insurance and employee benefits broker extraordinaires, Robin Bettenhausen and Tom Kalai. How are we doing, my friends?
1: Good.
2: Doing good. Happy to be talking insurance as always. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is your typical Friday We're really morning. Fun at That's right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Robin, and I know Tom that you are household names in the insurance community when it comes to serving the nonprofit community. Well, what I'd love to hear, or I'd love for you to share, for that matter, is why the interest in the space. I mean, how'd you get started, and why do you spend so much time in it?
2: Yeah. Um, so when I, when I think about the why, uh, I always think back to one of my first uh, Arc of Illinois conferences. I was sitting in a meeting, and Kim Zahler from Ray Graham was talking, and she was talking about, uh, it was, this was during the time they were putting up billboards in Springfield to try and advocate for DSP uh, rate increases. And she said something that kind of stuck with me forever, which is, this is something that everyone cares about, they just don't know it yet. And she might as well have been talking directly to me because shortly after that, uh, we started noticing some developmental delays in my son. And cut to five years later, uh, after seeing the impact of services like, you know, EI from Easter Seals, and right now he's getting one on one swimming lessons from C SPAR. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I can't help but be passionate about. And by call it fate or Circumstance, uh, the services that agencies in the human service nonprofit space provide are going to be a part of my life for the rest of my life. So, can't help but feel a little bit attached to it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, for me, I think it started as a kid. I've always just been drawn to the power of community. And my parents were really in, involved in our church and in service hours. And so that was something that we just really grew up doing. I remember going and you know building houses in New Mexico and just really trying to help in the communities that you were in. So whether you were home or where you were visiting somewhere, just understanding that the power of community and the agencies within those communities really, and to Tom's point, drive the success and really are for everyone, whether you know you need those services or not. Mm-hmm. And so similarly to Tom, about 11 years ago when my second son was born, um, we needed some, he had some delays and, and really was medically fragile. And it was interesting. I was already in the nonprofit space for those other reasons, But gosh, it made navigating it so easy, right? Just picking up the phone and saying, you know, what about a delay with speech? What could we do? And certain nonprofits that helped us get an iPad for him. And Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, just exactly what Tom said. I don't know how we landed in this. I think it's just because our hearts were drawn to it. Mm -hmm. But the fact that we can now help our own families and our friends that walk through similar paths to navigate through the, you know, pretty incredible work of all these agencies.
0: I and mean, I really appreciate your stories, and I've known you both for quite some time, and I would say you, you lead by example, and you're wonderful examples of you know, who I want like, my kids to grow up and be. And so you know, when I hear stories about your families and the work you do in the community and how much you give back to the nonprofit space, it's always a good reminder to me, it's like, hey, stay focused. Right. This is what's really important. And so, I thank you for being not only a friend, but a you know a mentor to me in that respect. And you know, I just really appreciate you know who you guys are in, in your family too. And you know, Robin, you mentioned community, and Tom, you mentioned community too. And so, there are different communities. The nonprofit is certainly one of them. But Robin, one of the communities you spend a lot of time in is healthcare, employee benefits. Right. And so, if you look back, and if you were to identify trends or issues or opportunities, things you noticed, things you recognized in 22, what would they be?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest one is just this sort of COVID wave coming to somewhat of an end. Not that COVID is gone, and I don't think it ever really will be gone, but just what has happened as a result of walking through the last few years. And so some of that is really compliance based and lots of changes there. But I think the one that impacts us as consumers and also our nonprofit clients as you know, the providers of healthcare is the shortage of providers. I mean, we saw over 300,000 physicians and nurses simply exit healthcare as a result, we would say, of the burnout and of the experience sure. of COVID. And so, what does that mean long term? I just think it's going to mean a lot more difficulty accessing providers and being mm-hmm. able to be seen quickly and being able to feel like US healthcare is really accessible. I just yeah. think that's going to create a big crunch, at least over the next five to 10 years.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And, and so you, I'm sure some just retired out, you know, age, you know, the boomer population retiring and enjoying the next phase in their life. And But to your, mention, your point, some people did burn out and Rose this wasn't the industry for me. And so what I've known that certain industries do really well with change. They respond accordingly. They adapt. And so have you seen the healthcare market adapt at all? And so, hey, look, we, we have a shortage of physicians or nurses where it may be. However, we're going to do this better. Did anything like that happen in 2022 that our clients were able to take advantage of?
1: I think the biggest thing is not really surprising, but telemedicine. I mean, we weren't able to leave our homes for a, for a while. And so we had to adapt and mm-hmm. providers had to adapt. And so being able to reach out to someone from your own home over an iPad or over your phone was huge. Um, some of that has remained. Obviously, you know, you're not treating broken arms over telemedicine, but for some of those things, I think it really made a difference. I think personally, one of the best things was the telemedicine that has resulted for mental health. Mm That has been an unbelievable trend, and one that's really concerning and and really heartbreaking um, for all ages. And so that's something a lot of our nonprofit clients have rolled out is telemedicine through um, for specifically for mental health. Okay. And so I think that that was one way that's a great adaptation because you know, they don't need to check my, you know, broken arm, but we do need to talk. And it's important to be face to face, even if I'm in my house. So I think yeah. that was a really great adaptation.
0: No, that makes sense. And so, I mean, some of those things, as far as, you know, access to physicians or, or telemedicine uh, surround or around like utilization, right? That's how healthcare is utilized and, you know, ability to, to get utilized in healthcare. But what about cost? What happened in 2022 from a, a trend standpoint from that perspective?
1: Well, this is always a tricky one because no one typically goes on these podcasts and say, costs are going down, great news, right? I mean, we all know you go to the grocery store and things cost so much more. Inflation is real and it does impact healthcare as well. So things have definitely gone up in cost and some of that is due to just emerging trends, which I think we'll talk about in a little while, just what is changing within healthcare. Um, But costs are going up. And so what does that mean? It it means that nonprofits specifically, because I can't just charge more for this widget that I'm making, I'm dependent a lot on what the state has already decided my budget is and what my Mm -hmm. reimbursement rates are, that how am I going to use those dollars? What can I do within my healthcare plan in order to potentially spend less, but also make sure that these are really great benefits because we don't want to see the same levels of turnover. I mean... Tom and I have talked about this before, as a mom of a kid that receives therapies, there is nothing harder than that therapist going to work somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. Your child finally trusts someone, they've made progress. And so I never want the benefits to be something that is the reason that someone needs to leave, that, you know, that person that's involved in so many... you know, kids or adults lives decides to go somewhere else. So it does require getting creative, spending those dollars appropriately, and and just trying to find new ideas that are out there in the market.
0: Yeah, I get that. And so Tom, if you have last word, there was market, right? And so that's, that's the benefit side, healthcare side. We could talk more about that too. But how about on the property casualty workers' compensation side? What did you see in calendar year 2022? We know it's not the state fiscal, but calendar year 2022, what would you see? What were some trends in 2022? What would you hear? What did our clients feel from a cost perspective? Was there a tightening on coverages?
2: You know, What would you see? Yeah, uh, so there's good and bad to talk about here on the property and casualties. Side.
0: Only the good stuff, please.
2: Okay, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so uh, on the good stuff, work comp. So work comp remains a, a soft market. Um, there was a little bit of concern coming out of COVID or actually going into COVID that carriers might be on the hook for exposures to COVID-19, uh, and that might blow up the market uh, for work comp in Illinois. Didn't turn out to be the case, so that's remained to be a soft market. Unfortunately, uh, the other the other lines of coverage have been a little bit tougher. Everybody probably remembers turning on the news and seeing uh, Hurricane Ian. Uh, Taking out Fort Myers, I believe that was the largest single-event property loss since 9-11, about $70 billion. That comes on the heels of years and years of additional tropical storms and hurricanes, as well as wildfires, which have just been out of control. So traditionally, in the Midwest, we've been pretty insulated from those losses, but they've been Mm -hmm. so bad um, that we are starting to see that affect the marketplace here. And that means stricter loss control, meaning carriers want to come out, take a look at the property, make sure everything looks safe, but also rates going up. Uh, and we expect that that's going to be the case next year as well. Rates are going to continue to climb on property. Um, on auto, auto has been a tough market for the past 15 years mm-hmm. and that's not going to change. Maybe until everybody has autonomous vehicles, but um, that is going to continue to go up as well. Liability and umbrella. Uh, so. I think carriers are still working out uh, in the aftermath of Illinois getting rid of the statute of limitations on abuse and molestation. So that was a litigation that came out in 2018. Carriers really never priced their product uh, to be on the hook forever. Mm-hmm. And when that litigation passed, uh, that lever got pulled, and they're uh, getting a little I would say concerned about it, uh, where we're now seeing umbrella coverage, sublimit abuse and molestation, maybe you had full limits prior, $5 million, $10 million. Now they're saying we're only going to cover it up to a 1000000 million. We're seeing the same with professional liability as well. Um, uh, costs also going up on both of those lines. So the agencies that are, are controlling their costs are offsetting those increases with a strong workers' comp program because that exactly. is still the soft market. So... In order to offset those increases on the other lines, you want to do what you can on the work comp to keep that as low as possible.
0: And it's it's interesting. I, I was with you, and I think many people were in this camp. Um, you know, I think health, I think nonprofits is more akin to healthcare and traditional healthcare than other settings. Like a nonprofit, people because you're we don't have a choice, or healthcare nonprofit providers don't have a choice not to go to work. Right? right? They are in close proximity with a lot of people. You can work from home. I can work from home. Robin can work from home. A DSP has to be in a Scylla taking care of the people they serve. And so I think most people thought, oh my god, how do we control COVID? How do we control these costs? It's going to take this and just blow up the system. I mean, healthcare—you know more hospital traditional settings fared much worse. Um, some carriers got really slammed on that. And I was surprised, as you were, that the amount of losses or severity of losses, Now, there certain were. I'm not, I'm not trying to be insensitive here. I think the modeling would have said this is going to be way worse than it actually was. And I, I agree with you on the property side. I haven't seen, I've mentioned this before, I haven't seen a property market like this since 9-11. I haven't seen a, an insurance market, for that matter, and so much upheaval. Maybe after the ACA came out with so much confusion and so much unclarity, I don't know what's going to happen. The property market from a cost standpoint, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen it as bad. I mean, people can't even get coverage in certain respects. So it's um, I think people are definitely feeling that. You know, last year, I think they'll continue. But hey, at least cyber's okay now, right?
2: Yeah, No, no. <laughs> Cyber. Yeah, cyber's uh, uh, about as tough as it could be right now as well. So every day forms are changing, requirements are changing what used to be a one-page uh, application for a million dollars worth of coverage on cyber is now a 20-page document and you need to have multi-factor authentication and endpoint detection and we'll see what comes out next. But um, it always just seems that the hackers are, are one step ahead of the insurance companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened there, there was a, a large amount of, of um, clients, or policyholders who were with a, an organization, an insurance company that actually got out of the market. So they non-renewed everybody who they had which made a huge surplus of people looking for cyber insurance in the marketplace Mm -hmm. basically gave all the cards to the carriers who still wanted to be in the marketplace to dictate what we need to see for controls and what we want to charge for coverage so that has continued to increase hopefully that starts to level out but i don't see any indications that it will
0: okay so speaking of indications robin healthcare, 2023 what are you telling our clients? What are you suggesting they be prepared for? What are the carriers <clears throat> telling you? What's what's trend? What's wh- what's going on? What's What are the buzzwords and what do people need to know about?
1: Yeah, I think there are definitely some buzzwords right now, and a lot of that is around specialty medication. So that's not a new word, right? We've heard about specialty meds, injectables, things that really cost the plan a lot of money. Right? If I go to Walgreens and I fill a normal script, it might be 13 bucks, but if I fill a specialty medication, it could be thousands and thousands of dollars. So those have been around, but the newest things to hit the market are actually able to change your genetic makeup. So it's really exciting for someone that suffers from one of these conditions. Maybe it's blindness or some sort of muscular dystrophy, spina bifida. There are drugs that are hitting the marketplace that could potentially cure a disease or a disorder through a drug, which is mm-hmm. you know wild. There's a few on the market right now, but there are a ton more hitting. So that's really exciting. Guess what the not so exciting part about that is? That drugs cost millions and millions and right. millions of dollars to research and develop. Mm-hmm. And Tom said
0: we're comps going down, so you're fine, don't worry about yeah, it.
1: Yeah, right. So Tom, <laughs> go ahead and get those decreases on the comp because these drug costs, you know, are are huge. Just in terms of the development of them, the fact that only one in ten that is developed actually hits the market means that these drug providers need to or want to, right? I, I you could argue either way get a lot of money back. And so these are going to cost potentially millions of dollars to plans. Um, and then there's there's a recent one that a drug that was developed for diabetes is now being marketed and used as weight loss. And mm-hmm. so all of a sudden that's hitting the market. And so some of these things I just think are you know, concerning. They're really great in some ways. They're concerning from a cost perspective and in terms of, are we using them for the right things? But That's what I think we're talking a lot about with our groups right now, just how to be prepared for those potential costs because that is one that's hidden.
0: Okay, what else?
1: Well, we talked a little bit about the shortage in providers. Mm -hmm. I think that is definitely going to be, continue to be an emerging trend. And then I would say the third and maybe last one for this conversation is just that the demographics of our country are changing, right? A lot more baby boomers are retiring or even if not retiring, reaching Medicare age. Mm-hmm. And the way that our healthcare system was set up, who knows when, but is that the Medicare rates are a lot lower in terms of reimbursement to hospitals than a private plan that you would get through your employer or your agency. And so what happens is those people on Medicare go in and receive services, but reimburse the hospital at a much lower rate. And so the hospital would say they're actually losing money on some of those Medicare patients. So where do they gain the money back? They charge the commercial policies or the users that show their, you know, Blue sure. Cross PPO card or United mm-hmm. Healthcare PPO card, much more. And so the more pressure that we get by more people being Medicare eligible, the more pressure that they will put on commercial plans to raise that cost in order mm-hmm. to still maintain their profits. So I think that's the other big one is just the shift of the demographics.
0: Yeah, so that's a that's a, a macro trend that boils down to certainly every individual plan. If you look at the nonprofit space specifically, it may be a tough question to answer. Maybe this is a fair – maybe it's a, not a good question to ask, but I'm going to ask it anyways. And so what are – Outside of, I guess with all that noise and all those pressures, how are nonprofits controlling costs outside of not having any claims? Like not utilizing any plan, fine, great, right? But how are they controlling costs? Are they? Do
1: you remember, I think they, they are as best as they can, right? Some of the things that we just talked about are things that... None of us have any control over. So those are the ones that are hitting everyone, just like yep. you said. But what can they do? I mean, we've got clients that have gotten really creative with gap plan strategies, with, you know, being heavily into an HMO where some of that care is managed. And so they don't feel as much of an influx with cost based on visits. Um, you, they're, The carriers are coming up with narrow networks. The carriers are coming up with performance drug lists to try to help employees make better choices about the drugs that they're taking and when i say better i really mean in terms of cost they might Mm -hmm. potentially not be the best fit and there's always appeals that can take place but just trying to really focus on how can we be good for our employees and therefore offer them rich benefits but also be aware of how they're being used a lot of sure. our groups have utilized our wellness team or population health. How do we understand what is facing our group and what can we do to help address it? So, you know, maybe diabetes is really prevalent. Well, then let's put together a program, mm-hmm. maybe musculoskeletal, you know, that can even cross over into Tom's world. Like, how do we address the problems um, or the high cost claims that we see?
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. And so I think, Tom, that has a <clears throat> certainly carryover effect to what you see on your side. I mean, especially with workers' compensation, right, as far yeah. as you know, being able to control some of those costs. And so, maybe if you could answer, kind of two questions for the group, if you don't mind. One is, <clears throat> you see anything changing in 23? You know, in relation to 2022. I think you've highlighted on a couple of those things already. And also, following that same narrative of controlling costs, what are those top agencies doing? maybe with our help or on their own, from a work comp standpoint, to take full advantage of that marketplace and its you know, kind of flexibility on cost right now?
2: Yeah, I, um, I think the agencies that are having the best results uh, on work comp are really taking an active role in managing it. And that means managing your mod score, uh, managing indemnity claims to get them as low as possible or to eliminate them with creative return to work. You know, if somebody's injured and they're at home, Traditionally, what we find is that it's going to take them longer to get back to work. If you sit at home and you watch TV, you've probably seen commercials for attorneys that say, were you injured at work? Call us, get an attorney. Uh, so if we can get employees back to work and doing, doing things uh, that you know anybody could do. I mean, look around the office and find out what are three things that literally anybody could do that would take it off of the desk of one of your administration people. Let's get our injured employees who are on light duty back to work and doing that. Um, Beyond that, uh, accident review boards have been hugely impactful for our agencies that want to control their work comp. What that is is um, a group of C-level leaders who get in a room, talk with injured employees, their managers, and just say, what can we do to get better? How can we avoid this from happening again? And What we've seen from that is that it starts to change the culture of the organization. Um, It starts to change behavior. Because all the time people get injured and we, we say, what do we need to do? We need to train them more. We need to train them on safe behaviors. But if you were flying the wall in those training sessions, people say, oh, we have to sit through this again. We already know all this. They already have the information. We just need to get them to use the information. Mm-hmm. And accident review boards have been hugely impactful in changing that behavior and producing good results, which gives us better results in the work comp market.
0: That makes sense. And so it looks like, so forward-looking, work comp is an opportunity for top-performing agencies take advantage of some cost flexibility there and what I'm hearing is that the property market is still going to be bad right so be prepared for that um, speak with your broker obviously or, or Tom you know Tom preferably <laughs> yeah. uh, in regards to how to manage that there's uh, are there, other like what I've also noticed with the nonprofit space there aren't 9 million carriers to go through like a manufacturer no. and so Anything new with any carriers, any new ones coming in that you've had success with, or how's that been going?
2: We've seen um, a carrier or two dip their toe in, again, on the workers' comp, Um, so not many jumping in on the package side. If anything, we've seen some carriers get more restrictive on the package side, re-underwriting their books of business. There's a number of um, organizations we started working with last year who were with a different carrier uh, who got notices of non-renewal, and we were able to place them with the right one, so it's hugely important that... If you're an agency, um, you're working with a broker who knows who will write you. I can't tell you the number of times we've seen marketing lists and say, they went to 27 companies for us. And we say, why only seven (laughs) will write you, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and none of them are on the list. So um, you've got to work with somebody that knows the space and can find the right home for you Um, and, you know, put you in the right light um, and tell the story as best they can to get you the best results.
0: That makes sense. So speaking of putting people in the right light, telling a good story, Tell our listeners, clients, what they could expect at the client appreciation event that you two are hosting in April at our Horton Orland location, coming up soon.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've always found that. Uh, sorry, Robin, I don't want to step on your toes, but I will. Uh, we've always found that that this community is really that. It's a community. It it's not like other, you know, it's not like manufacturers or doctors who you can't get in the room together everybody's really collaborative and and kind of rowing in the same direction um, and sharing best practices so we always found that it's good to get everybody together and just talk about what's going on Um, we've got uh, kathy carmody from the institute who's going to be there so always good to hear her perspective on literally anything in the space Uh, and then robin and i are going to be sharing some some benchmarking um, and some additional results from 2022 and what to expect in 2023
1: yeah i i'm super excited about it i think we have always done some events but this one is really about celebrating the clients that we work with and just a lot of what we talked about today how personal and how much we appreciate the physicality of the job the sometimes thankless nature of the job Mm -hmm. and um what tom said is exactly true we'll talk to our colleagues And they'll say, they'll all, like all of your, especially IDD agencies will get together and talk about what's working. And we're like, yes, they, you know, (laughs) they really, they share ideas. And I think it's because the heart of what our IDD clients do, they, they really do. It's, it's client first, it's people first. And so what that means is being willing to share ideas of what's working i um, super excited about Kathy and what she's going to share. And to Tom's point, we're going to talk a little bit more. We're going to unpack those trends that we talked about on today's podcast so that you know a little bit about what's coming and then we're going to send you home with a gift.
0: So. <laughs> 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 love it. Well, uh, what I also love is um, you mentioned appreciation and sharing of ideas. Um, and every time I, I walk away from a conversation with either one of you, I'm appreciative of you sharing your ideas and your friendship to me. It means the world. And um, you know, I Tom's right next door, so I'm going to see you in a minute anyways. But, you know, I I love seeing your smiley faces, and that's one reason why it makes my job um, so good. And so I want to say thank you both for your time. Thank you both for your mentorship and friendship. I really do appreciate it. So until next time, uh, Jason Helper with the Horton Group saying thank you for tuning in to the One Thing Podcast.